And welcome back to The Green Majority here on CIUT 89.5 FM, or perhaps on one of our greatly appreciated radio syndicates across the country, or maybe found us on the podcast, which we found anywhere podcasts can be found, including now with the Harbinger Media Network. If you haven't checked them out, do so. My name is Stephen Hostetter. I am here with two longtime friends of the show, Amir Jandali, the founder of Future Meets Present, and Andre Forsyth, the founder of the Canadian Climate Challenge. We are talking about finding new ways to communicate climate and getting people engaged in the climate conversation who may not have been previously. So mm. thank you both so much for being here. And by way of introduction, maybe starting with you, Amir, and then to Andre, can you tell us a little bit about what your ventures do? Yes. Beautiful intro, primer coat. Great to see you and hear you again, Stefan. Andre, nice to meet you. You too. This is awesome. And... Canadian friends, nice to be speaking to you again. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, so my primer coat, I'm here. I'm in New York City. I'm in Brooklyn. And I guess we can start off with some of my hashtags, if you will, if you like. The big circle for me is climate solutions, climate change, climate action. That's the big circle. And then within that circle, we have many smaller ones, entrepreneurship, events, futurism. So those are the spaces in which I dabble. And in short, everything I do is to promote a vision of the future we want rather than the, one, than the one we fear. And primarily, we do it through events geared towards the general public. So I think we'll, we'll start there and build from there. Awesome. Andre? I'm excited already, Amir. I was already excited when Stefan mentioned you in the first place. Any connection to New York is already exciting, but, <laughs> but future and positivity and, and events, I, I think there's so much overlap there, which I guess is why Stefan had the brilliant idea of bringing us together. But yeah, so I'm Andre Forsyth. As Stefan mentioned, I'm the founder of Canadian Climate Challenge, which is a nonprofit that we founded in 2019 that started off being very focused on accessibility. That time we created a calendar of all the events going on in the GTA to ensure that everyone could know what was taking place and find their space of, of how to attend different events because it's great to have events and creating them but if nobody knows where they are and you have to be like deep in some sort of mailing list in order to find it then it's, the general public is not going to see it so we tried to we started there from accessibility and then on top of it in toronto when events were taking place there was a pre-climate really being recognized on social media a lot and so we were also going to events constantly and then creating content to share, especially we're working with nonprofits a lot of the time or just community groups who don't have the resources to have someone creating content. So I, I think in 2019, we attended at least like 290 different events minimum <laughs> just to make Jeez. sure to like get content on oh there God. and stream. So, and then that led into to realizing that one of the holes that's missing is the role that art plays in, in its meaning because we're going to all these things and there's so much information and we're like, okay, well, where's the creative element? Like, where's music? Mm. Where's art? And that launched our offshoot of the School for Climate and where we focus on the role of art in that kind of movement to the future and, and what role that can play. So that is my short-winded explanation, which is, as you can see, that's as short-winded as I'm going to get, guys. So prepare yourselves. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Well, I, yeah, I already, I, I'm already having firework thoughts. That's typically something that happens. I have two external monitors in front of me. Usually one of them has a Miro board or two open and yeah. I'm like sitting here mapping, but we're just going to map in real time. 
that's cool. I see the overlaps of our Venn diagrams, and I love it. It's great to fe- to meet a fellow Avenger in this space. And w- so, like, so wait, okay, yeah. So, like, build on that a little bit more. So, what was well, it wait, like? wait, wait, wait. I'm gonna ask you first. I'm gonna ask you first. If you don't mind. Right. All right, let's go. Let's go. More. So, <laughs> so, I mean, being in New York, you mentioned events. I think Toronto has a history of trying of like learning from what like, great shit's going on in New York and trying to like make a Toronto version or or, or be inspired from that. So I'm I'm intrigued to find out, like, okay, when you're talking about events that you're creating, what does that involve? What does a successful event look like versus a less successful one? And what direction are you trying to take um, those? Bless. That's super beautiful. Yeah. And I'll have the same questions for you too, actually. It's, it was, it was really, really emergent, but not foreign. Before I moved to New York, I was a DJ. I still am. Nightclub DJ for almost a decade. Festivals yeah. and clubs, like that's all I did. Yeah. It was super cool. It was amazing. And there was an original through line there for me in terms of being on stage and DJing and then raising awareness about social issues because my family's from Syria. The war started in Syria in early 2010, the late, you know, 2009, 10, around there. And I, my platform was peaking. And so I used that stage to raise awareness. I would have t-shirts that said free Syria and like, like all this kind of stuff, right? Like that's what I did. So those two paths integrated very early on back then. And then somewhere along the line, climate got on my radar and that's what caused me to move to New York. And then the climate chapter started. And then I would DJ like little bits and pieces in there. And then actually two years ago this month, I DJed Earth Day, like New York City Earth Day's after party virtually. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like these paths are colliding. Right. So that's kind of how that origin story happened. And now I run events, large and small, that kind of have the hype of nightlife because it's 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 positive energy it's future oriented it's solutions oriented and we dive deep on various climate topics so like there's many 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 events throughout the year and then one big one during climate week so that arc happens and then there's the new partnership with the mayor's office of nightlife which i'll tell you about in a little bit because that's like super full circle and Damn near makes me cry when I think about it. So yes. we'll get to that in a bit. But let me answer your other question. Just how do I measure success too? Of course, there's the quantitative measures, but we always ask surveys before and after. And we the delta for us, if, if someone moved from a level of opacity to a level of clarity, like we have these sliding scales, like how clear do you feel about local law 97 in New York City? Or like, how do you, you know, how do you navigate this? And then after the d- discussion, how do you feel about that? That's that's our that's our move. What are you what are you hearing? That's very cool. I'm so as you're speaking, I'm I'm picturing. I'm like, okay, I love so music is something. So we we focused a lot on visual art to start, and then then have started to bring in live musicians and and music into the performance as well. Some focus on climate, some otherwise. And I'm so I'm picturing myself at an event at a nightclub in New York. And like social issues coming in there. So I'm trying to get a, a visual there. But before, like without being that literal, I think of like the type of music that's always inspired me. Like when I think of reggae, very like all about change and and, and the values in there and how much that is a big part of it. When I think when I think about hip hop, about change and the value and, and the social value of having that ability, like you could take the exact same 
words in most of the like most hip hop tracks from and I'm talking early hip hop when it's really about like change and talking to social issues and and, and bringing visibility into into communities. You took those same words and just had someone read them. There's it has no there's no way that connection is there. But because of that music, I, again, that's what connected with me. So I, I think how many the role and the content and art and music's ability and creativity's ability to kind of reach past those barriers that we put up. I can't, I mean, obviously I can't, I'm quite biased here, but it's one of the most exciting things for me for when I start to visualize how do we create excitement about an exciting destination that we're trying to to build as we're talking about the future. So do you you do you see that when you're at these events? I, when you're creating these events, that you you feel that palpable change because I can even say with electronic music, when I start to get into electronic music, same thing. Like part of the reason I loved it is like this is a huge anti-pop music, anti-commercialization, very much like off-license warehouses, basements in London, in like a toilet in, under the streets in London. And but the music and the content of the music and the spirit of the energy that, that there is all very much like okay, we're trying to. We're trying to establish a community of change, even though it's not spoken about. So I'd love to, yeah, to hear how that kind of dynamic works. Are you seeing a community of folks coming to these things in that building or is there random people only? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's super cool. And and the way that those two worlds are colliding, exactly as you're saying, I think I've, it's has been really fruitful. Like in the most recent thing that we can hold in our minds and think about is we have a large event during Climate Week. That's the second to last week of September every year in New York City. It's the largest climate week on the planet. Happens at the same time as the United Nations General Assembly. So it's kind of like our version of South by Southwest. Thousands of people on town, right? So we produce a big event during climate week. One big one. Huge. 2,000 people. There it is. Great. This year, it's like, awesome. Let's do smaller events leading up to it. 30 to 40 people events keeping them engaged throughout the year. The most recent one that we did, and then and then so uh, keeping them engaged throughout the year, and we let the audience of one event choose the topic for the next one to test that engagement, let them choose and sink their teeth into it. And so the last one that we did was, I guess, two weeks ago, and we did it at this nightclub in Bushwick called The House of Yes. And it's like, have you heard of The House of Yes? Have I heard of the house of yes? (laughs) It was like one of the last places I went before COVID hit. Right. And it was a fight to get in, as it often is. (laughs) And we managed to get in. I was was so happy. That was my last outing in New York before. Oh, epic. What a good one. Yeah. Yeah. And so just that response, right? That the beautiful natural response that you were just like, oh, cool. Like I belong there. I know that spot. Those are my people, all that kind of stuff. That's the opening open doors that we get to create as as founders and artists, right? Like we get to create those inroads for people. And I just see and like I treat everything as a constant iteration and a constant prototype. And like let me even even our words are prototypes, right? Like let me test this out, let me put it here and see what's going on. And people are like, oh, it's gonna be there. That's amazing. So like the turnout was amazing. We had about 40 people talking about building efficiency in the house of yes. We were talking about our values, we were talking about Local on 97, we were talking about electrification and heat pumps. That's what we were talking about in the house, house of Yes. I mean, is that not normally what you talk about when you're at a House of Yes? Good point. Good point. It's very good. <laughs> it's not at all. No, that's amazing. That's super you know, cool. 
Yeah, so it's cool, right? And it's it just like to the to the theme that we're here, it is creating those inroads for people. It's taking it out of the conference room. It's integrating it. It's becoming more normalizing. It's about not just about green stuff, but it's the future. And we're going to go to a quick music break with Tristan Armstrong's The Lender. Thanks so much, Tristan, for being our featured musician of the week. And enjoy The Lender. Thank you. 
And welcome back here to The Green Majority on CIUT 89.5 FM. We are joining Amir Jandali and Andre Forsyth in conversation once more. So, yeah, what's coming up for you as you're hearing this? And like, what's yeah. what's how are you how are you laying down the foundations to do what you're doing? So so interesting thing here, which I, I bet Stefan's mind also is good to hearing that as well. Is, so when you talking about building efficiency and but then also talking about the future and then having a space where people connect you and out of the boardroom that like that's one of the things we we definitely learned is like we we i've i, I think we've we've operated in a few different spaces for a while now on like on the outside with activists outside of the building like pounding on doors on the inside at the table with funders and with folks and the industry trying to make change and and more recently and with community and and connecting with folks and kind of trying to meet them where they're at. And so what what's interesting to me, or part of what's interesting to me and what you're saying, and one of the challenges, and I don't even want to say challenges, but one of the exciting developments for us is that connection to community and how different communities, so climate is the word or environment is what brought us all here today. And the how kind of the, I guess the weight that comes with that and the associations and the history with environmental movement and all of that and the, who's connected and who's not connected to that. Similar with art and music, like who's connected to certain types of who's and how does that change based on communities that you're engaging with? And so one of the things for us in the, and one of our biggest projects that we're working on right now is leaving the word climate out. So as we're talking about climate justice, which I'm sure is a big part of what you're what you're working on, is there there's so many different layers and there's so so many social justice issues that people resonate with. And I think we have a history of environment with the environment, but in our specifically in our economy, of externalizing climate, putting in its uh, the environment in its own box. And let's talk to people about climate, get them interested in climate. And I think that's part of when we're talking about the future. The future is taking the environment back into our our main focus and it not being an external element that is separate from everything, but what role it has. So when you're going out to a party, what does that party look like? When you're building and talking about the future, how does that naturally come in with our environment and our climate? How does that naturally connect with our already existing issues and then stop that separation? And so I think for us, that's a huge thing with our community work and our community projects right now, because we're really focusing on empowerment. And I think that's part of it. So coming to communities like the House of Yes, how do we, you, like getting those folks to go somewhere else is very different. Whereas coming, if you're hosting an event at the House of Yes, and then connecting with people there, it, it's very different than trying to get them to go somewhere else. You're in a space, you're in a community, and then how do we build that community going forward? So that's something that we're, and we think art has, just as music or the arts and creativity has a huge role to play there because we're talking about like meaning, right? Like you ask anyone what's their favorite song or a meaningful song to them or a piece of art blows right out of them mm-hmm. immediately. They don't have to think about it. Just, okay, wait, which one do I choose? Is normally like we're, I, there's so many all at this point in my life of this part. Yeah, what week are we talking I, here? This week, last yeah. week, Spotify <laughs> weekly? Which one, what do you want? Yeah, 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 100%. Yeah, and I, I think that's what we're trying. To, what we're trying to do now is okay. How do we build community with art in there so that people can connect with that meaning for the future, and identify and reconnect with those values, and then help imagine going forward? 
so that's that we're playing with what is what does that look like and and how do we do that okay and so as you're as you're explaining all this what what are you seeing in your mind are you seeing is there a particular is there a particular project or something that you all executed and you're like that i love the way this happened we if, if we do more of this this is the, the juice what's so so that's a great question and i would say from I, yeah i'm going to approach that in two ways so what we've done and and what that leading to what we're doing at the moment that most excites me and so we one of the we did a mural in kensington in during the pandemic and and another one in in oshawa which is a little bit outside of toronto we said it to oshawa people and the scale of those and the content so one of them was, was about environmental justice and then one of them was more about community and the role that vehicles play within that community and but it had much more of a community focus less of a hey electric vehicles and the the amount of turnout that we saw from the electrical electric vehicles one during covid or so the, so the community power one that was about electric vehicles in the community and how that how electric vehicles has that kind of knock-on effect or producing electric vehicles in Oshawa has that knock-on effect of stimulating the community around it, reinvigorating a lot of what they were starting to lose in Oshawa. The amount of folks that that brought out was very different than the environmental justice one. And so that bell of, okay, what is the community, what are the community pains here? How do those connect to climate solutions? And then how do we bring those together and integrate it so they're not separate things was a bell that went off. And so that leads me to our our current project in Malvern, which Stefan knows quite a fair bit about and is, is involved in, is Malvern is it's Scar a subset of Scarborough. And so we're we're piloting a similar approach in Scarborough where throw out the word climate. Let's go, let's come in here and let's talk about it. This is about essentially a community empowerment. We're not seeing leaders leadership take the roles that we we needed to. We're not even seeing leadership be leaders, like at best representatives. And we realize that there's a fear there. So we feel fear as individuals or we don't have the power or we can't change this. But that fear is debilitating for leader for our leaders, our, rep, our political representatives, our CEOs, etc. And so we're like, well, we're not going to be afraid. We're, we're going to empower. And then we're not going to look at these folks as, oh, these are barriers to success. Those are people who also need leadership and then and they will come along so how do we empower communities to take that role of leadership and find their space and their autonomy in there and then build on that so working from the community reconnecting there to one another and then how visioning where the community wants to go and what role can art play in in that process and connecting folks with that meaning so that that i think is about a one to four year project depending on how successful that experimentation goes there is is what we're most excited about what about you well i think i i i actually just want to even like i I even just want to offer an observation that i think is some connective tissue here and like some parallels underneath both our work which is kind of fascinating that i've been reflecting on a lot of jobs of the future and yes and our role as entrepreneurs and and designers and I, I also teach part-time at John Jay College here in New York City and also Parsons. Sick. It's really awesome. It's such a beautiful honor to be able to be in that space. And and our role, what I'm hearing both of our work is really we're facilitators. Like we're not so much like 
we're just here to hold space, set a context, offer a narrative, offer a story, galvanize, and then just facilitate and and keep that moving along. So I just that was just a, a reflection that I think I'm seeing for the first time we're meeting on two sides of a yeah. quote unquote border, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever. Like it's cool. It's a it's a beautiful theme. Yeah. So this is something that is personally of interest to me and also clearly from your last 25 minutes of conversation is something I think that both of you have have a pretty good handle on, or at least some, I, I imagine some thoughts on, which is something I've become slowly more obsessed with in the last little bit is the role of joy in both activism and city building. Because I'm recording this before a conversation I have with a podcast called The Blueprints of Disruption. Although if you're listening to this, you can go back in time to hear that because that's how radio will work. But in which talking to them about sort of the role of joy in activism and the importance of sustaining people through joy. Mm. You know, my bias a little bit is that, you know, rage is a great motivator, but joy mm. is a great sustainer and that you can get started with rage, but it'll be hard to maintain it without burning out. Whereas if you can find joy in your work and joy in your activism, that you're able to sort of do that. And I think similar, I feel similarly about the role of, of joints in, in, in city building themselves. And so given that both of your work is is sort of future facing, is artistic, and is trying to bring sort of an element to it. How do you think about the role of joy and what you do and in, in, in the work you're trying to do? So joy is extremely important because, and and so that kind of builds on where I was saying story and narrative. I think that's one of the areas that we're missing so much collectively, globally, is all about what are we losing? What are we angry about? Who's in the way? When meanwhile, the whole reason that I came to this work in the first place, for those of us, who, those of you who can't see us, I'm I'm black. Hey, one of the things when I first came to climate work, one of the, one of the areas why it resonated with me is because I constantly was like, okay, there's all of these social issues that exist, but people can other them so much, and this is like this is something else. This is someone else. I have enough on my plate, which many people feel like they do, and many do. So that's someone else's problem. And, and climate for me became at first a, a fear, like, oh, wow, we have to deal with this. But then the excitement for me came from, but this is a problem we all have to deal with. And sure, in each of our different ways. So we can't, we we can't really other it because the like the goal, like, yes, people deal with different areas of it differently, but we all are going to have to come together in our ways. And then that's, and where we need to go is a reestablishment with our values and to create and to live better. And so as I learned those things, I'm like, hold on, why is this thing so framed in all of these like losses and taxes when it's, we really need to go somewhere better. And then, so I, that I was like in my, in my early, uh, I guess, naivete, I'm like, oh, I can't wait till this story starts being told this way. And our, our government, especially in Canada, Canada's always searching for an identity. It's like, we need a new collective identity. This is great. Like, let's be the ones who em embrace the direction we need to go. We have the resources. We have everything we need to go in that direction. And then when I, when as as I matured, I realized, oh, okay, so this story is not going to be told this way. Our leaders are too afraid. Those who have power are too afraid to change things. And so, where does these change need to come from? And that needs to come from that has to come from community who don't have this who many of which don't know about the 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 direction and positive what positive way that we need to go in and how this is joyful and how our future is improved upon and the, the term that I, that 
a, a lot of us are starting to use is the, the irresistible world that we need to create that mm-hmm. makes us be like, we don't want that past world anymore. Oh and God. that's what we're, that's where we need to go. Right. That's, and so that's why it increasingly became a step to come back to your question. And again, my constantly long-winded responses is, is who, what can do a better job of painting that, of a picture of that world or creating the meaning or connection with that world. It's not going to be another 500 page report from the IPCC. It's got to be the music, the celebratory aspect. It's got to be art to create that vision of where we're going. And, and, and instead we are historically played a role of aestheticizing scientific concepts, which is great. And that, that role exists we, for visual learners, but in a more meaningful way of like, what does our community look like going forward? How do we create the vision of that community and get folks excited again and then connected to that vision and then wanting to work together to create it? Mm. That I think is the kind of role that we are experimenting to see if we can build joy that way and if art can play that role. And I, I think one of the key things we keep in mind there is some ways are gonna, some ways are gonna work, some ways aren't gonna work, but hopefully allowing that kind of creating that space for one another helps inspire others mm-hmm. to join and for us to kind of create in that direction. So yes. And one last thing I will say is, and the way that I see that looking is uh, in other areas is so like there's banking, a lot of banking work going on right now, which is fantastic, super yeah, fantastic. inspirational. Those who aren't familiar with it, uh, banking on a better climate in Toronto, look into their work. These, these students are kicking ass. And I think of what, so who are holding banks to account, right? And are attacking and very, are doing an excellent job of fighting. And one of the other things where I think of, okay, well, how, if I was going to bring joy into that approach, could it, would it be considered joyful to say, instead of, oh, these banks are holding us against holding our future forward. Well, how do we create a, okay, let's, let's empower the bank that who is the first to, to divest. How do we excite them about that? Okay. So that petition or whatever it is, the first bank to divest by 2025, we're moving a petition of 50% of your client base are from other banks are coming to, to your bank. And then incentivize that and enjoy the kind of comfort of that. And I digress to you, Amir. Damn. I see exactly why you wanted us to talk, Stefan. I, it's so clear to me. <laughs> Andre, I think the the big theme that I'm hearing from you is, as my buddy Chris Rivas from high school would say, is that it, there's an opportunity to live in the E, which is like not something I got to do, something I get to do. And that's the whole framing of this decade, right? Yeah, that's why I'm hearing from you. And, I, and I, I operate the same way. And it's so cool. And like, this is such a great catalyst of a question, man. I love it so much. There's, I, I think, opening, I've observed Joy playing two roles. One, we can call it like a before and then an after, like a catalyst and then a sustainer, as you say. And then there's this middle ground, this roadblock, this membrane, this barrier, this threshold. And I think what I've observed and what I talk about with my students a lot, especially at John Jay, they're criminal justice students, undergraduate criminal justice students that have taken that path because of their motive for social change. But the university realized that they want other inroads and other avenues to create social change. Maybe entrepreneurship is one of them. And it ended up turning into a minor, which is where I teach now. And we talk about this overarching theme, which is heartbreaks leading to breakthroughs. And we allow ourselves in in the course to feel frustrated, to feel heartbroken, to feel upset, to feel sad, to feel angry about something and allow that heartbreak to 
be your compass, to be your catalyst and determine where your energy is of best service, whether it's heartbroken about the amount of ocean plastic in the oceans or gender equality, or you use the SDG framework to help a little bit. And it's remarkable. It's fascinating to see. Uh, at first, there's just so much like shyness or coyness or ambiguity or like, I don't know, like, should I put my hand up right now? You know, it's so sweet. But then I pull my mirror board up and I have it on the projector and I'm like, okay, well, like, go ahead and like, tell me like, which one of these do you gravitate towards? And you start seeing the names populate and it's like, great. See, we're all Avengers, have our different powers and our different lanes. And we each hold a different piece of the puzzle that it is a complete vision of the future. And then we just, we keep the energy moving in that way. And then from there, we move on to an exercise, which is mapping. And we did make a distinction between stakeholders and shareholders. And your shareholders are the ones that are, have ownership in your company, that give you money to fund the operations, et cetera. Your stakeholders are all that are impacted by your operations and your functions, even the, including plants and animals and other humans and your customers and your employees, et cetera. So you draw that distinction. And then we go through an exercise in mapping our stakeholders. And then so it's like, great, what population do you want to serve? What's their problem that they're facing? What other organizations and startups are working on this problem? Can you map them out so that big feeling, that feeling in your chest of anger, of confusion starts to dissipate and you can see the drops of water in the clouds and you can begin to manage it and make decisions and make choices and have agency and work with something, give it form rather than just letting it be a feeling. And I think, one, joy has the role of moving us towards that space and beginning to, it's so hard when it's such a feeling. And that's what climate, it, that's where this huge opportunity is in climate because it's such a feeling first. It's so overwhelming. It's so big, but we can't see the drops of water in the clouds. But when we can a little bit, there's a sense of relief. There's a peace of mind. And the way I like to lead some of these conversations is quite simply with a pie chart of greenhouse gas emissions. So I, I had a webinar last week with the New York City Mayor's Office, literally a week ago, almost to the minute. And this webinar, this is like, this is my full circle moment, is I, my partnership with the New York City Mayor's Office of Nightlife. I'm designing a, a curriculum of webinars to support club owners to understand their role in accelerating climate action. So freaking sick, right? Like I couldn't, I almost choked when they introduced me on the thing. Like I was super nervous the first minute. I'm like, is this serious what's happening in my life right now? I can't. So at the beginning of that webinar, and this is coming back around to the second part of your question, I start with this pie chart of greenhouse gas emissions. And that was also really helpful for my students to see. And the pie chart is broken down into six slices. And these are universal sources, global sources of greenhouse gas emissions. They come from, these are the economic sectors. They come from creating energy, transportation, moving us and our stuff around, heating and cooling our buildings, growing our food, and industry, which is making the stuff that we use on a day-to-day -day basis, concrete, glass, cement, etc. And then there's a sixth category, which is other, which stands for like methane runoff and things. But being able to see that clear picture, oh, these, this is where global greenhouse gas come from, is the equivalent of a student mapping a stakeholder. And suddenly it's not so much this big feeling, but it's like, oh, okay. And then under to your point, it's like, if we know the sources of greenhouse gas emissions, we inherently know the sources of solutions. 
And therefore, what does the future look like when all of these sectors have been decarbonized? And when you get a sense of agency and visibility into that context and it's demystified, then suddenly it's not just a feeling, but you have the clarity. And then there's even more joy because you get to ask those questions. Well, it's like, oh my God, how are we going to get electric cars all over the country? Like, how is that going to be a thing? Like, oh, we're never going to be able to do that. I encourage my students to follow up that, that response with a question of, well, who's working on it? And how do we signal boost them as indicators of the future? Part of Biden's plan is to roll out half a million charging stations across the country over the next decade or so. Do you guys want to guess how many gas stations there are in the United States? If, we're, if the plan is half a million charging stations, how many gas stations exist to service our needs right now? I'm going to go with two million. It's probably way more than that. Although there's none in Manhattan, as a fun fact. Gas stations? There's almost none. There's like five, I think. Yeah, that's true. There's, yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. Andre Cullen, what do you guys think? You, so, how, how, so we're talking half a million in the States? Yeah, in, across the United States, we're getting yeah. half a million charging stations. Not ports, like stations. Gotcha. Yeah, I would say, I, I'm going to go the opposite direction, which is probably wrong. I would say less. There, like, two, yeah, 250,000. That's a terrible you, guess. What's your guess, Colleen? Having grown up in the States and knowing that there were like five different gas stations within like a three mile radius of my home, <laughs> I'm going to go with like, I don't know, like five million. It's interesting, right? To just like pull that out, right? And, and sense where people's, that we're over or under prepared. And, and the fact actually, Andre, you were really close. It's less than 200,000. <gasps> it's less than wow. 200,000 gas stations that service America. <laughs> yeah. And we're going to more than double that in the coming decade, right? For people who can't see, I'm dancing and celebrating, but I was close to, to right there. Dancing and celebrating. That's joy. Yeah. That's joy, yeah. exactly. That's visceral joy. And renewables outperformed coal for the first time last year in America. Yes. Right? So these are these indicators that I think once we have the context in which to place this content, you feel like you have your hand on the knob. And then you've risen above that feeling. And you have this symbolic height to be able to work within the system as opposed to have the system work you. So joy comes before and after that threshold of clarity. That's my answer. I am like, I'm sitting, but I, like, I'm actually like, <laughs> you out. I'm like jumping. I'm not at my <laughs> own. Like I don't have like a standing desk option, but I, but I don't have that at the moment, but I would be jumping and running around. <laughs> but the, and I think, so I say community, and and you're talking about the nightclub industry, which again I think of it's a community. I think most of the time when I bring up in community, people think geographic location. When realistically, like we go to a party, we go to an event where like it's the or we go to church. We go like there's a many different types of communities, and I put industry in there as a type of community. And I think that's one of the, one of the early things when we started doing murals and, and less. So what I sort of trying to take over entire neighborhoods like we're currently doing and what we're starting with communities it was all based on a theme of what is how do we empower folks in the areas that they do feel some power and because i think there, there's a very individualistic um typical disempowering need to disempower all of us okay how are you going to fix this at home and, and like how are you going to do this yourself what do you need to do versus 
we feel a lot more power in where we work and in our industry than we do by ourselves and the ability to and, and connected to other folks who are, are then able to so which is why like you go to work and you see like all these drives that people have organized together all these other other these other tangential things that have literally nothing to do with their actual industry but because they're brought together in a space where there's collective energy they start to to come together and create things and so when it come, came to in creating murals one of the things we started to look at things was okay industry has to be an area where we have to connect people with solutions and empower folks in that type of community because and so that's why i love the, the idea of the the mayor of wait what's the title the mayor of yeah the mayor's office of nightlife mayor's office of nightlife which is like again that like hats off to you and new york for like leading the charge here as well like when did you start doing more of these events we're not far and i come to new york quite a lot i'm coming you're um, coming later like this isn't i'm not saying i want to come or i'm coming it's happening yeah. definitely climate week event yeah for sure i will be there have you but been to climate week you're... before I've been to ours, not to New York's. Okay, I, okay. I think it did one digitally in 2020. Mm. That was actually super dope. The amount of music and DJs they had in there mixed in. Like I, I have it. Me and my team were like attending and recording so much stuff there because mm. of how inspired we were by it. And I think inspiration is something that we haven't t- touched on a lot in this conversation but i think it's kind of like an underline when it comes to joy and when it comes to the inspiration and is, is a big thing there and we're not going to be inspired by like cutting back we're inspired about where we want to go and go forward so that brought so much inspiration to see how they pivoted and and brought music and into that DJing and, and artists into that into that space for me so I've, I've never been personally in person but i will definitely come for this like i'm pumped so I'm going to obviously have this conversation for another three hours, but I yes. do understand that people have other things to do. So if you can both give last thoughts you have that you're pulling away from this conversation and then also how folks can follow your work, that would be wonderful. Okay. So maybe I'll go first. So what I want to say is, so the first thing we do, so we are School for Climate. Uh, you can follow us at the School for Climate on, on Instagram. That's probably our, our social platform. We're usually most active on it's been a little bit dormant for the past couple of months but we're only to make space for what we're about to do so definitely tune in there keep track of events at climate canadian climate challenge also on instagram both of those will link to our website so i would need to overload but if i want to leave with a final message i want to say um something that i think is really important austerity i think that's the way that our our governments have both collectively acted you take nothing else away we are not going to take an austere approach into our future this isn't about what we're cut back on it's what we're going to create going forward mm-hmm. it's what we're going to what we what we're going to build and inspire others to join on that's one of the things that again where our, our government and that lack of leadership there um is, is and lack of creating that story and creating a story on austerity is, is where we're losing. So austerity, we're talking about what's going forward, what we want to create going forward, and exciting people around that. And that's what we're gonna we're, we're trying to do on a community level, on an industry level, and then hopefully that then plays a picture of on an overall narrative how those pieces come together for us to build what's going forward. So if you want to be a part of that, as you can hear, not just 
climate scientists or, or researchers or activists who've had a long history. Mm. We really are calling on musicians, creatives of all poets who do, and who have history in climate and especially those who don't have one with the climate. And let's get together and, and create this future that we're excited to move towards. And let's go hit up some of Amir's parties in New York. <laughs> I just dropped I just dropped you the sickest like bomb. I think I liked every single thing on your on your page. And I've seen your logo before, right? Like we've talked about them before, Stefan. It just like now that the dots are finally connecting whenever I saw. I've I've looked at your site before so many times. That's what this whole time I was like, oh yeah. And then I saw your Instagram. This is great. What a beautiful full circle moment. It's really awesome to finally meet you, Andre. It's super awesome. Oh, likewise. Likewise. I can't like I can't wait for this to happen in person. I got it. Uh, I love it. Okay, I'm putting my phone back on silent and I just liked everything on your thing. I love it. Okay, so y'all can, yes, the school for climate. Okay, follow that. And then right after that, you can follow Future Meets Present. You'll see ours is, we're in the middle of a relaunch now. So I only got like five or six posts. So still coming back out into the world. And then we just launched our new landing page. So you can check out futuremeetspresent.com too. And you'll see an abundance of purple possibilities. I'll leave you with that. And Amir Jandali is my personal one. And so some takeaways, I think I could we could do some one quick philosophical one, one quick tang tangible one, and one quick resource. Let's do that. Let's okay, do all three. So go for it. All three. Rapid fire. So philosophical takeaway, context creates. So I'll think... Honor context and recognize that that's what we have the power to change. So I even just as a quick example, like I'm talking to this microphone, right? Like in the context of a tool, it's a microphone. In the context of a color, it's blue. In the context of materials, it's metal. The context creates how the world occurs to you. And in the context of living in the E, as Andre was saying, in the context of living in the E, something we get to do, this is the most transformative, beautiful decade in the history of humanity. And that's something super galvanizing that keeps me and I'll speak for all of us here moving forward. And then we get to look at what does it look like when that future meets present. So that's like the whole narrative that we're about. So that's one thing. The second thing is high level. What does behavior look like in the future in a net zero future? One, it looks like renewable energy. So sign up for renewable energy credits if you don't have community solar around your, around your house. Two, talk to your landlords and ask them to electrify your building and replace your heat, your gas burner with a heat pump. Three, look into products and services that honor a circular economy that have take back programs, buy nothing groups, buy things secondhand, anything that is made out of recycled materials, anything that is designed to last a long time. Use, buy it, use it longer than a few shirts from like fast fashion, for example. So honor the circular economy. Three, plant-based diets is the way to go. Four, compost everything. But try and ride your bike, walk, and go electric or public transit as much as you can. There's some tactics right there. And then I'll direct people to Drawdown, which is my source of truth. Drawdown.org, wonderful, wonderful resource that offers a huge map of all the solutions needed to reverse global warming. And they just published Climate Action at Work Guide to Empower Employees to understand how to demand climate action at their workplace. And this includes nine levers that any organization can pull to become quote unquote drawdown aligned. And that includes very much like what Andre is saying, 
looking into your financing, who you're banking with, public policy advocacy, uh, emissions disclosures, looking at your pro your partnerships and your procurement, and things like that that are really high level, but specific enough to demand them from your workplace. So philosophical, tactical, resource, response. Amazing. Boom. Well, bam, nailed it. Bam. Thank you both so much. <laughs> I think we have witnessed or heard everyone the beginning of a beautiful friendship. This has been Amir Jandali, the founder of Future Meets Present, and Andre Forsyth, the founder of Canadian Climate Challenge. Thank you all so much. Thank you, too, for the conversation. And have a wonderful day, everybody. Thank <laughs> you.